it's lovely to see you all here and on Zoom. Hope everybody's okay. Um, just to let you know, there's no prayer room now. So if you do want prayer after the service, if you speak to somebody in church or you email or stay on Zoom, someone will be able to uh, meet up with you and have a chat and a prayer. Um, this morning's service is led by Stuart. So very smoothly, I'm going to hand over to him. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be here with the presence of God as we come for our worship. I'm going to start uh, with a call to worship from Psalm 86. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, bounding in love to all who call on you. And then it goes on to say, I will praise you, Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever, for great is your love towards me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. God has brought his power, his goodness to us. And that's what we're going to be thinking about today, particularly his grace. That he pours out on us in such huge amounts. It's amazing. And that's what we've come to celebrate today. But before we move on, let's start and bring ourselves uh, to God in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, as we come this morning, we thank you for the day. We thank you that you brought us here safely this morning. Uh, Whether we're sat in our homes or whether we're sat in church or wherever we are, we just thank you that wherever we are, you are with us. So we say welcome, Holy Spirit into our lives today. As we come and hear from the word, as we listen to your words, we pray you'll speak to us today. We thank you that you have promised to be with us and we can celebrate your grace, your love towards us. And Lord, we pray now, as we come, Fill us and help us to know that you have forgiven us for those things that we have got wrong. Those things that have separated us from you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that through the blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord, you have promised to free us from all sin. We come to you as your people. So, Lord, we come. In obedience to you, we come to worship and to praise and to just lift up your holy name. Amen. The Lord's Prayer for us. So let's pray. Let's pray. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. 
Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, the glory are yours, now and forever. So we're going to sing our first song as we think about race. Sing, uh, this is amazing. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory. The King above all kings Who shakes the whole earth With holy thunder Who leaves us breathless In awe and wonder The King of glory The King above all kings This is amazing grace This is unfailing love that you would take my place That you would bear my cross You would lay down your life That I would be set free Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me
maybe if anybody's got a birthday this week or maybe more birthday last week. Doesn't look like there's anybody. I don't have to think on my own up here. <laughs> Over to you, Stuart. Helen gets off the hook again um, for these days. Uh, but uh, we're going to have our readings now, Heather and Rachel are going to bring out our readings. The first reading is Mark chapter 6, verses 1 to 13, a prophet without honour. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's the wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? They took offence at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honour except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there, except lay his hands on a few people who were ill and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed with oil many people who were ill and healed them. Amen. second reading is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2 to 12. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I have made a fool of myself, but you drove me to it. I ought to have been commended by you. For I am not in the least inferior to the super-apostles, even though I am nothing. 
and persevered in demonstrating among you the marks of the true apostle, including signs, wonders and miracles. Let's pray together. Lord, we come only by your grace. Grace, may we hear from you today. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. Can you imagine how Jesus must have felt? Let's put yourself in his shoes or maybe sandals um, for a moment. It's a home match. He's on home turf. You'd think the crowd would be behind him. You'd think the people there would be so pleased that their, uh, their boy, their boy who had done good, was making an impression on the neighbourhood and the areas around You'd think there should be some sort of advantage of being at home, or playing from home, being on the home turf. Jesus' fame had spread and been teaching with authority and power. There were signs and wonders which showed this power that he had and this authority. All these things are pointing to who he is, the Messiah the anointed one of God, the one that was coming to save. But just think a minute. This should have been amazing. The locals should have been cheering out in the streets. They should have been backing their boy. But they weren't. He was at home in Nazareth, home turf, and they couldn't quite believe it. Jesus was doing all this stuff and saying all these things. And yet, they were not backing him. In fact, it says they took offence. They took offence. Can you imagine that? The Son of God's in their midst, and they're taking offence. And you can sort of hear where they're coming from. They'll be saying things like, well, hmm, he's just a carpenter. Or maybe, we're not quite sure whether it's carpenter or builder. He's just a builder. How can he know all this stuff? And his family lived down the road from us. You know, his brothers and his sisters, they're nothing special, so why is he? How can he speak and act in this way? And we look at that and we go, well, they're ridiculous. But Jesus knew that it's hard on home turf to follow the things and do the things that he'd been called to do. And in some ways, he reflects a, a, a passage in Jeremiah about how he would be rejected by even his own family. But Jesus, even, it says, even Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. How they hadn't even worked out who he was. So there we have Jesus. On the home turf, you expect it all to be going well, but it isn't. It's gone pretty badly. And then we got Paul in his second uh, letter to the church in Corinth. Now, there's a lot of stuff there that's a bit odd. And 
Uh, he seems to go on a bit. Uh, I don't know whether I'm allowed to say that, but he does seem to go on a bit about this guy that was sent up to the third heaven and, and he saw amazing things. What Paul's basically saying is, there are some great guys out there, but I'm not one of them. He's saying there are people that have done amazing stuff and experienced amazing stuff from God. And Paul had seen and experienced amazing things of God, but he wasn't going to boast about it. He even said he had a struggle. He struggled. Sometimes we think of these guys, as Paul describes them, as super apostles. You know, like they're, they're amazing and you know, bullets fly off them or spears or whatever they had in those days. You know, nothing would touch them uh, and they'd go around proclaiming the word of God and all that stuff, which they did, but it was still a struggle for them. He says he has this thorn. Paul has this thorn in the flesh. If you like, a constant dig from Satan that reminds him of that he's just a human being. Or we're not quite sure what it is, what this thorn in the flesh is. Paul never says what it is. He says, I have this constant digging from Satan. And we know that a thorn in the flesh is annoying, painful. You walk around with it, you want to get rid of it, but it's always there. And a lot of people have commentators, a lot of people have tried to work out what it was he was trying to, uh, to, to, to what, what it was that he was experiencing, what it was that this thorn was in his side. Um, but nobody's come to any conclusions on that. All we know is that it's probably something that Paul felt was kept pulling him away from doing God's will, some sort of trial or weakness of opposition, something that was really bothering him. Uh, and got in his way. So, here we have our Lord Jesus, Messiah, Saviour, and Paul, the great apostle, struggling in their lives and ministry. We expect it all to be great and wonderful. We don't expect to hear And I think this is one of the great things that, for me, proves how true this is, that these people were honest about their lives and that it doesn't always go to plan and it doesn't always come out smelling of roses. But what does this say to us today? What does this mean for us? I think, firstly, it shows us that God understands that the going is tough. The going is tough. And I guess we've all experienced the levels of tough stuff going on recently. It's been a tough 18 months. We've struggled even to be here this morning. <laughs> but we had some technical struggles to get this going this morning. And Colin and Tim between them have sorted it. So uh, praise God for that. But it's been difficult. We've faced trial and hardship. We've not been able to go out. We've not been able to see our friends. We've not been able to get family. It's been tough. And we've not been able, as best we wanted to, to worship together, to share faith with others because we've been locked down. It's been difficult. And others of us have experienced other hardships, the illness that came with COVID and other stuff that's just built up because of where we've been. It's tough, but God understands that. Jesus has experienced it himself, being rejected not only by his friends and family and his local people, later on rejected by even his closest friends, 
as he carried that cross up the hill to die for the world. And as he was on that cross, he was rejected by everyone. Jesus understands that it gets tough. The other thing I want us to think about is that when we're in these places of weakness, when it's tough, then we are strong. Was it Lionel Richie? Or was it Billy Ocean who said, when the going gets tough, the tough get going? Billy Ocean, I knew it was one of those. Mr. William Ocean, yeah. He said that. There's some truth in that. Although sometimes when the going gets tough, uh, a lot of us give up and sit down and say, I can't be bothered anymore. <laughs> so Billy must have had something special going about him. But Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. What he's saying is God's grace is enough. Sometimes we have to be on our faces. Broken, tears, to allow God's power to fully be seen and work in us. Now that's a pretty frightening thought. And that's what Paul was trying to say about you know, all these great things that had happened around him and, and he had this thorn in the flesh, was actually, he needed humility. To keep him grounded, to keep him relying on God's power. Because, like Paul, we wish this wasn't true. We wish that everything could always be great and marvellous and everything, you know, everything we touch would turn to gold or we could go around just doing healings and miracles and, and preaching the word and there'd be thousands coming to faith because of just our, our presence in the room. Wouldn't that be great? But that's not the reality of life. That's not the reality of faith. Because if it was, who do you think would get the glory if we walked into a room and everybody just fell in the spirit and, and, and people were healed and made miraculously just by our presence, who then would get the glory for that? I don't think it would be Jesus. And I do worry sometimes about some of the ministries that you see on some TV programs sort of evangelists, where, where that's exactly what seems to happen, in, in my opinion, that, 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 that glory doesn't go to God, it goes to them. We're all guilty of that. We want Scots to get the praise and glory, and so we have to remain in a place of humility, in a place of weakness. But in that place of weakness, our strength can only ever come from God. So that he gets that glory. Give me an example. I don't know if you've ever heard, some of you may have done that, but uh, a woman called Joni Erickson Tarver. Amazing story of her, her life. A young woman has a diving accident, dives into a pond or a lake, and it's too shallow and breaks her back. Was in 1967, and it left this young woman, she was about 18, with a whole life ahead of her, 
quadriplegic in a wheelchair for life. Now you can understand that is almost the worst thing that could ever happen to a young person with all that light ahead of them. And she really did struggle. If you read her story, and I'd say, you know, there's books that she's written, there's books out there, and you can see it on the internet as well. But she really struggled to understand God's will for her. She was a Christian, but she couldn't really understand what had happened. God allowed this to happen. And, and she admits that she's, this caused her to struggle so much that uh, she, she had a question. She had worked through that. And she couldn't work out where God was in there. She had this big question of why, as we all would, why did that happen to me? But as she brought it to God in prayer, she struggled with it. And as friends got round her and supported her, her family, she slowly recognised that God could use her powerfully in her weakness. That the, the, it wasn't the big end that she perhaps thought, and we probably all would imagine it was. And she started writing books about this story. She started painting with her teeth. She learned how to paint pictures with her, with her mouth. And she started speaking about and promoting Christian ministry amongst people with disabilities, which sort of back in the, the 70s was, was a new thing that probably had never been heard of, that, that disabled people might actually uh, want to experience the power and presence of God in their lives. I know that seems odd to us here in 20, uh, 2021, but back then that was a new thing. She managed to get onto TV and radio the main stage of Christian conferences and uh, on retreats for families affected by disabilities. She leads charities. She's spoken uh, on behalf of advocates for dis- people with disabilities to the US government as an advisor. And the list goes on and on and on. In all this, she never forgets that her physical strength with, if she just used her physical strength, she would have nothing. She, hadn't, she hasn't got any. But by God's grace and strength, she is made strong. She has a position to, to advocate for others, to speak of the powers over the atmosphere, positions where she can be, that mouthpiece for God and for others. But it's in God's strength. It's by God's grace that she does what she does. And that's the same for us. We don't perhaps experience that level of trauma in our lives, but every day where we find those tough points, where, where, where things seem to struggle, where we get that thorn in the flesh perhaps from Satan, we need to trust in God's grace. God's grace is sufficient. For us. Then the story in Mark. Remember, Jesus has been uh, shunned. He's been turned out. People didn't like him in his hometown. Then the story quickly, as it does in Mark, everything moves quickly, goes from Jesus' lack of success at home to the start of the disciples' ministry, sending out with nothing. He says, Don't take anything with you. 
you know, you can, you can perhaps wear some sandals, that'd be fine. But don't take your bag, which will have loads of stuff in it. Don't take all the stuff that you need. Because when we do that, we start trusting on ourselves again and not trusting in God's grace. It's a reminder about who we should rely on. If we have nothing material to lean on, then we have to lean on God. And you can see that particularly in places where people have very little money, where the poor are living in, in, in uh, South America and in Africa and in parts of China, where the poor are really responding to Christianity because it has a message for them. And they then experience the power of God and they can share it because they have nothing else to share. If we have nothing material to lean on, then we have to lean on God. And there's also a realistic message from Jesus. That his message of life in all his fullness of salvation that he's coming to save us will not always be well received. But he says, don't give up on it. Just because people don't hear it doesn't mean they don't need it. Just because they're going, oh, no, 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 I'm back up here in my life, thank you, doesn't mean they don't need Jesus. He says, don't give up, brush the dust off your feet and carry on, go again. His grace is enough to do that for us. And Paul's thorn in his flesh continues throughout his whole ministry uh, until, he's, uh, until he's martyred. It continues. It's going on. The disciples went out. They preached repentance and faith. They drove out demons. They saw healings. We'd be amazed at all that stuff. So says he saw signs and wonders and mighty works of God because God's grace was enough. And I think perhaps we have lost some of this because we think we're not able to do it. Or perhaps we think God stopped doing this stuff today, all these signs of miracles, and perhaps with us to have the authority to share the gospel. But that power, that ability doesn't come from us. The authority to share the gospel comes from God's sufficient grace that says, although we're not good enough, God is good enough. Although we may be weak and puny humans, God is an amazing God of power, might and authority. He uses us to point others to him. God's grace is good. His infinite power to guide, strengthen, perform miracles is the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. And that now lives in us, as Paul says. But that's only by God's good So we're not on our own. In our spiritual lives, in our discipleship, as we follow Jesus, and as we try and do the things that Jesus has taught us to do, which is to preach the, the gospel, which is to share the gospel with others, which is to live out the gospel in our lives, which is to see signs and wonders and miracles. We may feel weak and helpless in that. But that's good, because it means we need to rely on God. 
And God can use us even if we think he can't. Even if we think we're rubbish, even if we think we mess up all the time, God still can use us and wants to use us. My grace is enough for you, says God. My power is made perfect in weakness, says God. And as I finish, the Lord, who I believe wants to encourage us this morning, says in Isaiah 41, uh, verse 10, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous. Amen. We'll just have a time, a short time of response. We're just going to sit quietly. And if there's an area in our lives, we just want God's grace to touch. Listen to God, what God is saying to you this morning. If you want strengthening for the journey, I guess we're all in a place like that. Just allow God to minister to you. We're here, we're in the presence of his spirit. At home, we're in the presence of his spirit. Just let God minister to you now as we sit and we wait. Sometimes it's useful just to put our hands out like this, just to say that we're, we want to receive. You don't have to do that, but it's a, it's a way of just saying to God, I'm just here waiting to receive. We just spend a little bit of quiet time just receiving from God. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you say your grace is enough for us. That you'll strengthen us in our weakness. And help us in our time of need. We just thank you, Holy Spirit, you're with us, for strengthening us in the days and the week ahead. You're with us, not with us. May we know that your grace will be through Jesus our Lord. We Amen. We're going to sing together. Those of us who are allowed to do that, those of you at home, can sing. We'll we'll hum along here very quietly. 
to the song, Your Grace is Enough.
now for uh, the prayers for our community and for the wider world. Lord, Lord, we pray for our community of Birchwood, for the families who live in this area. Lord, we pray against the poverty, the anguish and any hurt that infiltrates our lives. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come into our schools, our community centres and our workplaces and shops, bringing your divine love and peace. Lord, we pray for Birchwood Town Council and Russ Bowden and Dave Ellis. Their work directly affects the lives of the people of Birchwood. And we ask you to bless them with insight and grace and your love. Lord, we pray for Stuart and his ministry in Birchwood. We also, Lord, pray for Warrington Borough Council and our leaders nationally. Lord, we pray for the families of the 121 people missing after the collapse of the apartment block in Miami. We pray for those affected by the landslide in Japan and those suffering from the famine in Ethiopia. Amen. Uh, as our worship draws to a close here this morning, we're going to sing our final song, which is Amazing, Amazing Grace, My Chains Have Gone. So we receive from God as we sing our final song. Chains are gone. I've been-